0: Uh, all right y'all um so we got one more minute here um but today's discussion was um working off of what we discussed um last week which was epistemology or epistemology not epistemology um
1: epistemology
0: epistemology okay there you go epistemology um we first talked we uh, We started off with talking about empiricism um, and all all the different um, schools of philosophy slash religion. Then we actually delved into the Genesis story of the apple and what that represents that the attainment of the knowledge of good and evil and then the fall afterwards, what that represents and what that says about the knowledge itself. So that's where we sort of left off. Um, I think uh, Dr. Lepore also made the uh, connection between uh, Kane, the Cain story and the Ubermensch symbol, which was like mind blowing to me, but um, we might return to that. But I think I want to start off with the, with the Lucifer symbol, with the fallen angel symbol, right? Because I'll tell you what the devil symbol, I think from my research over quarantine means to me. Um, I think Satan represents like, well, it, he really does represent the embodiment of, of the obtain of, by the way, let me know if I'm glitching because it's been happening all week. You are. So let me know if that's happening. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you a
2: bit.
0: Okay. Um, so, so the devil symbol is the embody, is, is the embodiment of pride and mostly due to the intellect right? Um, The fascinating thing about the Genesis story is that the devil is the one that shows Eve the apple to the knowledge of good and evil. So it's the devil himself, the embodiment of evil and pride is what shows, we'll call him the embodiment of evil for this circumstance, is what shows, uh, or is the path to the knowledge of good and evil. Just think about that for just a second. Like the person who embodies evil is also the same person through which you can find, through which you can gain the knowledge of good and evil. What
3: That
0: means is, this is a a psychoanalytic concept. It's the to in order to gain the knowledge of good and evil, you have to, you have to confront evil. You can't gain the knowledge of morality simply by just being good and never being tested. So if you if you take the axe away from the axe murderer, that doesn't make him moral. What makes him moral is to give him the axe, put the person in front of him, and then he chooses not to not to kill his victim. That's what makes a moral person, not simply taking away the axe. If that makes any sense. So I think the fact that the devil is the one who the de- the Lucifer we'll say who shows Eve the apple of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil, is because. We have to confront evil in order to gain knowledge of morality. You cannot gain the knowledge of morality from simply being good. That It just cannot be. And that's what Nietzsche means when he says, he's not saying, okay, let's go commit mass murder. He's saying, well, no, 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 we have to, in order to become moral beings, we have to actually integrate evil. So this quickly turned into a debate about evil instead of epi- epistemology, but let's see what we what we have on that. Well, I agree. I think it lends itself to the idea
2: that knowledge is the enabler to like enact our our, our will and like uh, take like our human nature and like how we think and like what we want to do and put that into the world. And so like what and so if, um, if confronting evil, I think that that means, um, I think that means confronting, um, I don't, I don't want to say human nature itself, but like just by, by like evolution, natural selection. Those are those are those are selfish processes, right? They they promote like self preservation, and so we have been tuned for that. For that, so uh, I, I don't want to say that like human nature is inherently evil, but we've certainly been um, we've certainly been like trained that way. We're not trained, but we've certainly been conditioned for that, and so um, and so when like. Satan, the, the devil figure, is really just the enabler here to be able to do that. But it also confronts us with, can we break human nature? Can we have empathy? Can we have sympathy versus are we just going to go along with what we've been conditioned to
0: do? I, I think you're like leaning more towards the Thomas Hobbian perspective, which I may be accusing you of that, but um, wrongfully accusing you of it. Um, basically there's two perspectives on human nature, generally speaking. There's Thomas Hobbes and then there's Rousseau. Thomas Hobbes says that we're born evil and we have to do things to rip us apart and turn us into good people. We have to put authority over you. We have to set an authority.
2: You cut off after authority.
0: Yeah, so you have to um, control those animalistic tendencies. like That's natural within us. Rousseau is like, well no 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 no. We're all born very idyllic children, you know. It's society that corrupts us. It's like we we should we should limit the authority on us because that's what's corrupting the beauty that is that lies within us. It's like who's right? It's like they're both wrong and they're both right at the exact same time. That's 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 the end game because we're both inherently evil and good at the same time. What do you all think um. of that?
2: Well, okay, so let's, let's think about Genesis, the apple. That was of uh, good and evil, and I think it was up to Adam and Eve to make their own decisions and to make that, right? Like, they were, they were, they were given, they were enabled with that knowledge to follow whatever their decisions were, uh, whatever their will was, and then they chose wrong, right? Like, that was, that was kind of the consensus. They, they made a mistake. They did, they did something immoral and then let's fast forward to their kid's Cain kills Abel, and then we have you know, once again it's that, and so the idea that like, society corrupts um, I think it's just being more like, indoctrinated into society, yes, but like like why is society that way? Why do we why do we feel that way? It's because like knowledge is as we learn more, we're, we're more indoctrinated into that, that idea, right? Like we're more enabled to have our,
0: what's
2: the word, to enact our, our will,
0: right? So you're challenging Rousseau's idea of society corrupting uh, man, right? Is that what you're saying?
2: Well, I'm, I'm saying that it, I mean, it, it does, but like, it's only because of, it's, it's only because it's been constructed to do so. Like society corrupting man, in the, in the same way mm-hmm. that knowledge corrupts man, right? Yeah it's it's just, it's just an enabler hmm. um so i i don't i maybe maybe i don't have the same interpretation of society corrupts man as he was intending because mm-hmm. i think that's that's just like intrinsic to gaining knowledge is going to be you're forced to confront good and evil and mm-hmm. I think time and time again more often than not people will choose evil people will be selfish and i think that's just because that's how we are by default right so i mean I mean i guess so i i agree with him but i don't think i have the same interpretation of that of that sentiment
0: i think you're on to something for one because i think if you don't believe in a sense of morality at least you believe in evil because i mean if the 20th century has proved anything it's that evil certainly does exist and that there's this protestant notion that evil is just the absence of good and then like, Nietzsche would say, well, not, not Nietzsche, um, Carl Jung. He would say, like, well, let's look at the 20th century. Let's look at the, the, the murders of the Jews. Let's look at the, the starvation of 6 million Ukrainians, right? And it's like, I don't think that's the absence of good. I think that is pure human malevolence. And if you're doubting the, the existence of immorality, at least you can acknowledge the fact that evil does exist and that we should at least harbor from evil, whatever that is.
4: I think I kind of agree more with, like, Rousseau's perspective. I don't know. Maybe that's kind of naive. But, like, I also don't think it's fair to kind of say one or the other just because there's such a – you're ignoring the kind of both sides of that and to completely uh, take one side or the other is kind of – the Hobbes or Russo. I think that's kind of unfair.
2: Wait, to take one side, so yeah, we're talking Denmark. about like the default nature of like human nature, right? To and so that, it's like, either good or evil. You're saying that's unfair?
4: Yeah, I think it's unfair to say that humans are inherently good or inherently evil, because I don't think, I think it's both. I do think that like, one, like you said, society corrupts, but the inherent good or evil, I don't think is something that you can just kind of say it's one or the other
2: i think that like in nature and due to like natural processes we have like uh you know natural selection evolution those reward selfish behavior and self-preservation right and so i think that th- those things kind of really
3: still impact us as, as a society one thing i think that's interesting just on the on the note of, like the roast what it's like rousseau something like that yeah um we were we were a book Uh, for AP Gov I think Father Nate or maybe Dr. Laporte might have read it before it's called um, The Righteous Mind Mm -hmm. Um, he was touching on some social science uh, Dr. Height he was basically saying that like we have we have these moral foundations in us making this theory that we have these moral foundations in us and one of them um, was like this this like liberty like freedom foundation and like this like a care and harm foundation that like actually we do like, we, we develop our brains that we do care for um, like the, those more vulnerable or like if we see somebody being picked on or like something bad to someone like we're, we have this natural inclination to feel, um, I, I guess like empathy or sympathy for them but we'll, like want to help them. Um, and it got to this point where you're saying there's at, as like technology developed, Developed, it no longer became about like if, if somebody was like super strong or like bigger than everybody. It came to this point in time where we like had weapons. Like now, now the the weak would grow stronger and take out the strong. They didn't like the way the strong were treating the weak because like now they could do something about it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just thought
0: I'd add that. Yeah, I think I that's actually a really good point. Like for one, I think if I'm interpreting what you're saying correctly, is that now that we're higher conscious beings we're no longer animals like physical brutality or like might might is right is is not true anymore it's like now we have to use our rationality so now we have to construct so now that's kind of like leveling the playing field between the weak and the and the strong physically let's say strong and the physically weak now it's no longer about who can uh, you know punch somebody out stronger or who's who's stronger who's weaker it's more of a Maybe now it's an emphasis on intellectual intellectual abilities. Maybe so. Maybe that's restarting the split between the strong, the poor, strong, which has always existed. But it's.
2: I think I kind of disagree with that. I don't think it resources. really still has to do. I agree that it has shifted from might makes right, but I don't know that it's shifted to like quite the opposite of that. Because at the end of the day, it comes down to like influence and like like more. More like when you think of like 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 the soft powers—is that the word? Like like the influence that a country has, right? Or like or like like a world leader has. It comes down to it's not so much. I don't think it has anything to do with physical strength. Now it's more so just uh, influenced
3: in the position of power you're in, regardless of, of anything physical. Wait, are you saying? Are you are you disagreeing with like how how Rick's saying now it's like possibly like an intellectual thing instead of a physical thing or? um
2: well i'm saying i'm agreeing with you that it's not a physical thing but i don't think that it's necessarily like an intellectual like um like i think that it's an intellectual thing in, in the means of like those who are able to kind of do a good job of like like manipulating like public opinion right and so those who are able to do or that sort of stuff and put themselves in positions of power uh it comes it comes down to that rather than like physical or just sheer intellect right
0: yeah i'm sensing uh i'm sensing like a a very pessimistic machiavellian sentiment from mr matthew weiss here which it's like he has perf like there's so much evidence for that position but i would disagree with that like i think the be- well first of all in the social sciences iq is the best predictor of long-term success up in a high- hierarchy it's it's it there's nothing that matches it and iq is intellectual intellectual quotient right so i think intellect is probably like your number one or number two most important resources iq is your number one or number two most important resources in mod in the modern day in order to climb your hierarchy um now I know somebody here might say, well, do hierarchies exist? It's like, absolutely. They've existed since the dawn of time. I mean,
3: and I mean that literally, so. Any other
0: thoughts? Anybody? Oh, there's
3: some, something uh, interesting about the way like people are influenced. This is one thing we talked about Gov. you just saying there's, there's like, there's always this huge push um, for like a rational vote of People like really think through things, that logic, like it comes first, that then reason comes second. But height conducted all these studies, um, saying that actually it's back the opposite: that emotion comes first, and then we use our reason to like kind of back up um, our emotional assertions. Uh, which I don't know; it was, it was pretty interesting. It's kind of kind of the foundation for our gov class of just the um, the irrational voter.
1: If uh, if you're interested in some historic background, there's uh, there's always been a kind of debate. Uh, between uh, rationalist and intuitivist in epistemology as to which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, Is it uh, human reason that structures experience and structures our feelings uh, so that we develop rational systems of organizing the world, like good and bad, uh, virtuous, non-virtuous, or whatever other categories we have, and then we take our emotions that we feel and we put them, oh, this feels kind of this way. I'm going to put it into this category, right? So there's, there's people that say that uh, reason leads intuition, and then there's people like Height that say that uh, emotion, that, that reason is actually the slave of emotion and that we tend to justify whatever it is that we feel is right or good or pleasurable. Um, what's interesting is that he spends an entire book arguing that it's actually our emotions that enslave our reason and that our reason has to go along with our emotions. But he uses a whole bunch of reasons in his book. So why is he giving us reasons uh, to believe that emotion is in charge? Why doesn't he just give us a, a story and make us feel all emotional? Why does he feel the need to give us reasons if in fact it is emotion that's at the forefront of things? Interesting thing about hype. Overall, go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say that, like, I think that, like, the idea of like being able to like see some like tangible, verifiable fact that you doesn't like that you don't agree with, and then you have like your own confirmation bias taking over. And I think what he may have been trying to do is acknowledge that <laughs> idea of like, okay, you have your confirmation bias, but let's address that. And he had to use reason, reason to do that, right? And so the his idea is that like confirmation. Okay, so from my understanding is that like that position has to do more with like, like your own, like feeling your own, like, uh, confirmation bias, like trumping over like what you actually like can see and observe like your own, your, your own emotions and preconceived notions about things and how you feel about them is like more important than what's in front of you because you can decide what or not what to, uh, what can play a role in your decision making? What can play a role in your ideologies based on that?
1: Are you saying that it is if from so that you're 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 kind of like arguing subjectivism, that the the world is primarily within my experience versus objectivism? There's a real world outside of my experience, right? Um within subjectivism, one can say that uh your your experience is structured either by primarily by your mind or primarily by your feelings. Which one are you saying, Matthew, that our that inner world is structured more by our mind and our categories or structured more by our, our feelings and our experiences?
2: Well, I, I was asking a question about what you were talking about. And it, so more more about feelings, right? How like our, our feelings affect our biases and that affects what we, what we choose to see, believe, and base our ideologies and decisions off of.
1: I mean, that's, that's one of the things that, that Hyde is saying. He's saying that we tend, we tend to have certain feelings and those color our reason in such a way that we look at the, we look at the world through those lenses and, and, and decide to, to justify whatever it is that goes along with what we feel.
3: I mean, I, I definitely think there was still some, uh, like he was still following his own philosophy like he wasn't, or his own theory, like he wasn't contradicting it because he felt he felt that people's minds functioned a certain way because he had those emotions, he decided to back it up with reason. He's not saying like reasons like completely null and void, but it's definitely, he, well, he wasn't saying it's a slave. He's not saying uh, reason's a slave to emotion. He was just saying that uh, emotion or that reason doesn't play as big of a part as we'd like to think.
1: So the person, the person who actually said that reason, that reason is a slave to the emotions is actually David Hume, who's a 18th century philosopher who said that reason is and always ought to be a slave of the passions. Um, and if you're going to choose kind of which stream of thought height comes out of, he's definitely more out of the Hume empiricist uh, reason is and always ought to be a slave of the passions kind of thing. Now, the, the key analogy for height in his book is going to be the elephant rider analogy, if you remember that. And the elephant is, of course, our passions, our feelings. It is the thing that gives us the power and the oomph and though all that is being ridden by a little rider that kind of directs it, which is our reason. So that's, that's the kind of the mental picture he, he gives us of, of reason and emotion.
0: I, I really like that image because from a neurological perspective, our limbic system and everything that's constructed in our brain is, is doing all the heavy work for us. And then at the end, you got your little prefrontal cortex that's just sitting on there and acting like as if it's doing everything it wants to do. Um, see, we like to take credit for everything that our limbic system does, but really the rational, it's like a box inside a box inside a box. It's like you have your body and then you have your limbic system, then you have your nervous system. And then finally, maybe in the middle, you got your rationality. It's like, we like to inflate our ego by saying we can do all these things. Like we like to take credit for our unconscious thoughts and whatnot. It's like, no, your rationality is maybe just a rider on an elephant that's doing all the work for you. I think we should review over the different forms of um, scientific thought. We went over this like last meeting, but there's, I guess we talked about empiricism, which was that the objective world is the only version of truth that we can verify and confirm. And then we talked about can something exist because we can't see it, right? And I think Matthew was like arguing that against that. It's like no, we there's certainly things that exist just because we cannot see them. Um, And like Kierkegaard said, like does man wants to see things in order to believe them? Does that mean he does not believe in love? I think that's pretty clever. so we went to uh, empiricism. Um, the next school, which would be the inversion of empiricism, would be uh, phenomenology: uh, Heidegger, boss and uh, uh, Tell me where
5: I cut. Is it said Heidegger. And then you basically, I think you get one more name in there and then you cut. Yeah, that's
0: about it. So um, essentially the phenomenology school believes the inverse. It's like the subject is more important than the object because the subject perceives the object. It's like if you die tomorrow, who's to say the objective world, or let's just say the entire human race becomes extinct tomorrow. Who's to say the objective world would still exist? What if the objective world needs somebody like you to perceive it? For in order for it to exist, if that makes sense. So I don't know what y'all think about that. Well, I feel like that just like, you have ideas of
2: like, like, we have to put things into context, like everything exists in a wider context than me, right? And like to think that like anything could happen after me and I would have no idea. No, I, I can have like, we can look at trends, there is context, we can look at what's happened in the past, we can predict what happens in the future uh to to a certain degree obviously but like like I, I don't like that because it just it takes context and it just throws it out like I, I mean maybe maybe I'm, I think I'm, I'm definitely oversimplifying it here but like like that
0: idea I don't don't like and what sense is the context being thrown out the window
2: uh in the sense that there are things that happen like outside of me there's a context as in like there are there are things that have been happening long before me that shape the world that i live in today and whether i'm here or not those things will there are things that will be completely constant right and so i'm I'm part of a larger context and like to say that i'm personally for me is what defines you know what my world is what my reality is Uh, i don't i don't agree
3: is this, is this like that idea that, you know, like, what if I shut off all the lights? Like, is everything still existing? Like, if the light's not there, like, is still there? Like, well, like, what is this?
0: No. Phenomenology, it, it borderlines relativism and subjectivism, but it's actually a whole thing of its own. Um, has anybody here watched the movie Tree of Life? Yeah. So that movie, it's a oh, very... I, have.
6: I forgot to mention, I also, I have...
0: <laughs> it's a great movie i recommend it but it is the way to describe phenomenology the, the school is actually in a more abstract sense you have it's it's really hard to articulate it because it is dealing with abstract matters if you try to read heidegger you will not comprehend what he's saying because he's he's speaking in abstract language so um anyways the tree of life is a two and a half hour movie with random clips just coming uh, and sensory experiences someone walked through the grass on a chain um a child is being born someone's uh, someone's running through the field and and what that movie is really trying to show is that you are the lotus of experience that's what that's what it means so you take in input so you're almost like a transcendental being which is kind of walking along the lines of Christianity and the uh, Abrahamic religions that you are made in the image of God. So that you are, um, you are, you are more important than the objective world because you have to perceive it. It's, it's not, it doesn't necessarily mean that, let's just say like the human race goes extinct, that the objective world won't exist anymore. That is a belief of some phenomenologists and actually of many physicists as well. Like I think Schrödinger. I cannot. Schrödinger. actually, I believe that, if I'm not mistaken, in his book "What Is Life," which I have to get to soon, but. Um... The phenomenologist's viewpoint is not necessarily that the objective world will not exist if the human race completely gets killed off tomorrow. It's more of like, who cares what the objective world is? I don't care what if this is made out of wood or steel. What I care is that I can perceive it. Therefore, I'm more important than the objective world. My lips are dry. Like,
2: like we like okay so the other day we were talking about like the idea of like is versus uh, not in this context obviously but like like i mean like if if that was like my idea and i i could could care less about like the the specifics of this but i perceive it as this that doesn't mean it is that i don't think that's a valid idea to to define the world around i mean it 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 may as well it may as well be this way but like i i don't i don't
0: know but why does it matter for the world for us to describe the world accurately of what it is? Does that make sense? Like why does it matter for us to be as accurate for is for our interpretation, and that's
2: the argument here?
0: No, I'm saying well like let's just say a phenomenologist's perspective is wrong in order to interpret the accuracy of the is. But why does that matter?
2: So let's like look at like today's climate, I I haven't in my lifetime I haven't perceived any climate change. I moved to Texas and it was hotter than it was when I lived in Washington. Uh, That's to be expected. That's what I've observed. But there are larger trends that are bigger than what I've observed and those are very important in the long term, right?
0: Yeah, but w- I understand what you're saying. But I don't think phenomenology would, would counter what you're saying. So we might be arguing over nothing, really. I might be just pulling out something that...
2: Well, I thought the idea here was that, like, human, like, like what we perceive is what we, we, we're, we're, we're allowed to, what we should be treating the world as, right? I haven't perceived any real... Like, we, we may as well. There's nothing wrong with treating it other than the way we perceive
0: well, yeah, I don't, no, I, I don't know if I'd put, go that far. First of all, I haven't read Heidegger or any of the phenomenologists, so I'm not going to, um, you know, stand up here and tell you guys about exactly about them because they're very hard to read. Um, but I think the phenomenologist view isn't necessarily that the way we, perceive the way you should in it. it's more of it's more important that you perceive the objective world than the objective world itself and um i think this com- i think we should bring up thomas kuhn now who uh, wrote a fantastic book called uh, the structures of scientific revolution and t- his argument was that well we have these these uh these planes of scientific knowledge and then once in a while we'll get a new discovery right okay uh, a photon is a light is a uh, a wave and a particle at the same time so we have to update our structure which causes a revolution. And we have to build a new scientific plane on that. Right. And Kuhn's um, argument was that we basically build structures of knowledge, mostly on intuition and aesthetic appeal and, and efficiency somewhat, but it's mostly based off of aesthetic appeal and intuition, which would be following along the lines of David Hume. And he's probably more influential than say popper which, and you don't hear about Kuhn very often, so. Okay, so. I guess we should, we should talk about the different forms of knowledge, because there are I mean, there's knowledge of good and evil, which we talked about last time. And then there's knowledge for the sake of knowledge. And then there's a the knowledge of things of it in themselves, which is a Kantian idea of a law that is um, independent of experience. And then the empiricist would say, no, well, law, that those don't exist. Everything that I experience is real and everything that I don't experience is not real. So those are the two schools that are separate on that idea. I don't know Isaiah, you seem to be uh, thinking. Why don't you um, enlighten us? I
2: was thinking about knowledge that you can experience. Like you can like experience a certain a certain type of pain or
3: event? I was, I was still thinking it out. Yeah,
0: yeah. You no, know, so we can actually bump off of experience up because that's the line that we're actually kind of working on at the moment. So there's, ex, there's knowledge that's gained through experience, right? And then there's knowledge that's gained through reading books, essentially. So book smart and experience smart. It's like, how do we, which one is better and why? I try and when, and
1: your, what
0: is a function of each knowledge? We could say. God, my throat is just killing me right now. I mean, okay, so for the function of knowledge,
2: can like we agree that it's about like making more educated decisions that uh, have the greatest like effect on not not the common good, the uh, like we want. Better better decisions for like, more educated decisions for the betterment of like humanity, the, the greater good, whatever you want to define that as, which I think is not a good place to start for a definition.
0: For the definition of knowledge itself?
2: No, why? Oh, why? Why we, should, okay. why, why we need, why it's important, right? Because at the end of the day, what are we doing with this? We're trying to make, um, we're, we're trying to make more educated and better decisions, right? and so for for empiricism is it is it more so it's it's specifically what we experience and what we can see right like what we can measure
0: um no it, it, there's like zero emphasis on the human there's no subject it's all ob- objective the objective world only so it's like well i guess you're right in the sense that how we can measure that uh ob- object as much as possible like just get it down as accurate as possible. And that's the only representation of truth. And I think the modern world is, or especially Western society structured around the idea that the only representative, only representation of truth is the physical world. And then you have the religious dogma, uh, the, the religious fundamentalists who are like, well, no, the only representation of truth is through the Bible and the God. And then you have the clashing, which we were talking about, um, which we were talking about in Literature Improvement Club um, last time—the clash between religious fundamentalism and empiricism. It's like nobody can exist in the middle anymore, where two representations of reality can exist at the same time. Nobody can say, "Okay, well, well, yes, evolution exists, and also that God exists" at the same time. Like nobody does that anymore, and that's and that leads to a pathological society. Really, um, that's the modern problem,
5: I think. I mean, I say that there's actually still plenty of people who do find that middle ground. They're just not the ones that dominate public discourse. Yeah, well, it's a lot. It's a lot easier for you to get attention if you're arguing from the binary. Well, that's that's
0: as many people as I've talked to. I haven't met so many people along those lines. I always met one or the other. So. I mean, I follow along those lines. Well, explain to me how you reconcile the split between science and religion and Jack Waters. I, I am a deist. So. Okay, stop right there. Stop right there. Your opinion is not
4: valid. We're moving on. But no, no that's, I'm joking. That falls in there. I think there's a God, but I also believe that it, was, it doesn't do much. And so I believe in evolution and science and all that stuff.
0: I think deism is just cowardice. That's my opinion. It's like, it's like, let's try to rationalize religion because, like, I cannot accept the fact that religion is not empirical truth. That it's that like, not everything in religion is literal. That it's some. Deism is based. No,
2: oh my. I don't
4: think that I. I I don't think think that religion.
0: Of religion having to give up
2: ground to things that we like, like it's just like there, there are things that have changed. There are things that we've learned. There are things that we've discovered to be. To be true, and then there, there we have we have like the, the two binaries, one of which, uh, you know, has has you know refused to progress because it goes against you know those the central beliefs, and then deism is kind of like the result of that, like of of like just the giving up ground. It's like okay, let's concede on this area, concede on this area, and then I think it's just kind of like a natural result of like progressivism, and in, in, in this context,
4: and okay, so. For me, I, I, the reason I've, I've become a deist, I mean, I was I was raised Catholic. I, I grew up, um, both my parents are fairly religious, and I just, someone who, I, I just, for me, I, there was a lot of stuff that I was just like, I think that there's a God, and that stems back to just the stuff that science physically cannot explain. I, you know, was very interested in science, and there's stuff of that, when you go back far enough, when it really, really comes down to is what happens pre-Big Bang. Because we know that that happens. You You can scientifically test that, but you can't go before that. It's just you scientifically can't. And so that's where I stem from. I feel like there is some element of intelligent design. However, I also feel like just human nature and stuff that there isn't that necessarily i don't know you know there's stuff in the bible or whatever i don't know if necessarily all that is factual you know there's a lot of debate on how much is that is poem and literary and he's been translating stuff and so i find it more um of a deistic approach to where it's not it's not one or the other where there might be a god but it doesn't they may not be the be all end all and the bearer of the truth and morality and stuff Dude, I think
0: that's just cowardice. Like I would go with Kierkegaard's line of religion. It's like why don't we take a blind, why don't we take an irrational leap of faith instead because religion opinion. isn't supposed to be rational. We're not supposed to be rational.
4: Someone was my speaking, opinion I think I. Yeah. But, but why can't it be? Because, because I, what I mean, believe, believe has to fit your definition of what a religion, that's religion
2: that's is science can't that, that science can't explain right? This is just that you can't. So if we're if we're trying to be rational about it, why 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 is why is um, like an intelligent design? Why is that like the next step? Like why why is that what we go to? I I would argue that it's just because that's what we've been indoctrinated into, right? From my perspective, I don't I don't think that that's like if we're talking about this like completely rationally, I don't think that that's where we can go. I don't think that that's like a safe assumption that we can say. Okay.
4: I mean, there is no safe assumption, and I will give you that it's yes, and it probably has to have to do with the fact that I was raised religious and it, you're right. It's not, there is no, but there is the fact that you can't make, there is no evidence to go off of after that point. That is the point where it becomes faith and you don't know until you die. Well,
0: part of my, part of the problem is like, I think your definition of God is well. what is your definition of God? it's just
4: creator they don't have to be involved in anything they just
0: they made the universe i know but creator in an empirical sense in a physical literal sense of like being creating us as real humans or because there's many conceptions of god i mean to me it's always as far as a
4: deistic interpretation it's the fact that god set the universe in motion and just let it go
0: no but i'm asking you to be more like vague about it like are you speaking from a are you saying that God literally created us from matter and um, put us on the planet and constructed these literally with
4: matter? Is that what you're saying? No. He didn't make humans in and of itself. Well, then
5: w-
0: what is your argument? I'm, I'm trying to understand like because the you're... Consequence of what he did create? Like, that's
2: like he yeah. left, it in motion, and then in that motion, poof, there we
4: are? Yeah. Eventually? Yeah. That's... Okay. I mean, that's... It's just... Again, it falls back to, for my thing, of what happens... What's pre-Big Bang? Because that's... From scientific terms, that is what happened. Big Bang went off. Everything done over the billions of years, and eventually, poof, here we are. Yeah. And my- so... It's just a version of what happened before that. Did god he went boom and then created it, or is it something else?
0: The problem with that is that you're using a level of analysis in the 21st century. There you go. I'm not frozen. Okay. You're using a level of analysis that was constructed in the 20th to 21st century, or we'll say 19th century. Okay. Um, to analyze something that was written uh, when science did not exist it's like why are you doing that you're, you're trying to fit something into something that will never fit it's like not well, only is that's because that i don't religion that's also
4: not only is that degrading well, that's because i don't try and make it fit with the bible or any other religious text
0: no that's what deism is it's like okay well science is here it's like how do we like Like, just push in religion into The Bible just doesn't
4: work with the deistic interpretation. You can't have Jesus if the God doesn't interfere. It just, it doesn't match up.
5: I think Jack is just trying to say he he needs a first cause. Like, I think you guys are are going back. He needs a first cause pre-Big Bang. And after that, the first cause is pragmatically expendable. Is that fair, Jack? Yeah. And that first cause is some kind of mind,
1: some mm-hmm. kind of
5: cosmic mind. Yeah. And then Jack's like, that mind doesn't
1: intervene well, per se. I'll just tell you one of, the, one of the historic problems with that kind of view. Um, it's called a God of the Gaps theory. And that is that um, uh, you have a certain level of scientific knowledge. And let's say you have scientific knowledge up to this point, and you have scientific knowledge after that point but current level of science is you can't figure out what goes right there, right? So then you invoke God as the thing that gives that coherence. It God is the thing that gets us from there to here. right? So from eternity into time, we have a God that gets us here. Or from uh, uh, primates to humans, God provides what is needed to, to kind of bridge the gaps. The historic problem is that scientifically speaking, when we're measuring things that happen in space-time, uh, those gaps tend to get filled over time, and your God gradually gets pushed out, and so whenever God gets pushed out of the gaps that you have in your worldview, because science or other types of theory have filled those gaps, what do you do with God? So- um Okay, okay, allow
0: me to get postmodern for a second. Fruit, oh, no. Can you tell me the exact evidence you have for the Big Bang Theory? Well... Like, off the top of your head, uh, what is the evidence? No, no, know. no, that's a good point. I mean, like, science... So is- it's faith, then. You have faith in the research, you have faith in the science, in the same way that Jack has faith in a crater being.
2: He doesn't know the evidence off the top of his head doesn't mean we can't rely on there not being evidence. I mean, we can still like. So are you're we, arguing that if you haven't experienced something firsthand, it's just faith connecting the dots for you. You, can, you, you can't learn from other people. Oh yeah, yeah,
4: for sure. How, uh, you, how do you know uh, today is Wednesday?
2: Are you gonna go with uh, how, do know, uh, like, like uh, how do we know? No, no. How, how do, do you, know you know today is Wednesday? Wednesday? Uh, uh, I mean, it's like that's that's not so much. I mean, that, it's just it's just an agreed upon thing. Like if you if you have, go go ask anybody. I say, what's today? Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday, okay, it's just, Wednesday. It's yeah. just an agreed upon. Yeah, but things. how do we know um, it's Wednesday? It's oh, this no, this yeah. argument, you all just I kind of thought. trust There's that it's nowhere the same to kind go. Of Wednesday. There's a human what? convention that this we have decided upon. It's not it. a empirical fact that we have observed. It's like what's we decided before? that. Did, we did you know Wednesday,
0: you can mute
1: Jack Waters? I want to. I want to add on one one more layer of postmodern difficulty to to Evan. And that is this: this whole conversation. It presupposes reason. It presupposes that there's kind of like a logical framework that we can put things into and make sense out of them. Maybe a causal framework, like there's a cause and then there's effects and all those kinds of things, or maybe logical non-contradiction. Where do we come up with the weird idea that somehow reality corresponds to reason? Maybe reality is completely non-causal, non-rational, non-logical. Why would we put our faith in that there's even reason at all? There's just, well, the thing is, there's just, it's
6: not really, we, we call them laws, but in reality, they're more or less just patterns that nature tends to follow. There's not, there's not really, like, in a good amount of them. There's just not, like, there's not, may not be a good reason for it, but it just happens and there's a pattern for it. So we call it law as a result because we tend to see that there's, that there's like this sort of thing that we, that seems to follow.
1: I would agree, but it just seems like there's a weird faith thing that goes all the way down to the very foundations of reasoning. If we're going to
5: do postmodernism, we got to talk about language too. I mean, earlier, I think it was Matthew or someone talked about how, what happens is religion holds the fort down until science gets an explanation. This kind of goes with Father Nate's God, the gaps thing. And then religion has to back up because it lost ground. And I think that is true in the culture wars, but not true in reality. So let's talk, let's take a look at like ancient Judaism. Ancient Judaism sees what we might consider consciousness or sentience and animals and humans. And it uses the word nephesh. The Greeks use the word suke. Uh, Hindus use the word Atman. They, they have this concept of, of something we would now then translate in English as soul. Now, all the baggage that came with Nefish or suke or Atman or soul, have we let some of that baggage go over time as we've got a better understanding of human consciousness? Sure. But is human consciousness from a more modern scientific uh, perspective completely divorced from what ancient people recognized when they saw in animals and other non-animal humans, something that made us different than rocks. No, we recognize that they didn't have all the tools to further go, but even without them giving us the starter language, the ancient people giving us the starter language, we can't say, you know what? The ancient people were stupid. They thought about souls. I mean, (laughs) they they were just so dumb. They didn't get it. We know now consciousness. Well, 250 years from now you know what they're going to look back on our theories of consciousness and they're going to laugh at us Um, but future humans can't build without our linguistic contributions to trying to interpret our labels that we put on things likewise we can't really get to where we are without the people of the past even if their labels had more assumptions that we've dropped off of the card if you were to say it's still building to us so i don't I don't know. I, I, again, I'm not going to say that like the ancient Israelites or the ancient Greeks are doing the same thing we're doing with modern science, but I'm all, I will say that we don't get to where we're at without their contributions. They're the building blocks from which we have arrived at this current state. And so that I think can apply to concepts like God and other things too. So you don't want to just get rid of ideas completely just because um we don't use the words the same well i i I agree that
2: that those things are like our building blocks but when i was talking about like like giving up ground as like a consequence of the advance of science like like we have to think about like why why those building blocks exist exist in the first place it's because they they didn't understand these things they couldn't quite like like uh they couldn't quite like define them in like like exactly right like they couldn't they couldn't like talk about them like quantify these things they
5: couldn't like scientifically uh um... well, that's why i picked consciousness because i think we could argue that we haven't even gotten there yet at this current stage in human history like if you were to right. get a bunch of science of the mind and philosophy of the mind experts together and say what is consciousness where does it come from how does it relate to the body you're gonna get all sorts of it answers from something that sounds kind of like the soul some kind of metaphysical reality that transcends our body to people like daniel dennett who are going to say it's not actually real it's just an illusion that your body's having um that it's separate somehow it's just the, the chemicals are making you think that you're experiencing consciousness but the thinking that you're experiencing consciousness isn't even really a thing so there's like a wide array of those that we haven't ironed out the wrinkles on yet either so i agree with what you're saying I just, I'm always hesitant when I hear the language, that sounds kind of like, oh, now we've, now we've arrived. The previous people, they just, like, we've, we got rid of them. We're the building blocks for the next generation in a very similar way. And I'm not saying you're not saying that, but I I think that's important. No,
2: yeah, no, I think that definitely, that's more more to what I was saying, but like, like they they have 100% given up ground that we have taken, but then eventually we're going to have to, we're going to have to back up. And then, like those thinking about this in the future are gonna are gonna take that ground, right? But like, um, I, I think that these things were labeled the way they are in the first place is because we couldn't we couldn't explain them to to our to our satisfaction, right? We couldn't, and we still obviously can't label these things to explain these things to our satisfaction. And that's why the ground that we've taken now is eventually going to have to be given up. There's concessions that we're gonna make in the future when we're talking about our understanding of these things. Um, well. Uh- Maybe
5: maybe it's the metaphor. Maybe it's the metaphor of giving ground, which sounds more like opposite sides that are struggling with each other. And maybe the metaphor I'm looking for is the relay race. Just a very, very, very long relay race of human knowledge without a necessarily... See,
0: like, my problem with this... Like, I disagree with both of y'all because, correct me if I'm wrong, y'all are presupposing that religion and ancient cultures were trying to understand the physical world when they were talking about souls and whatnot. Is that what y'all are saying cope
2: with what they didn't understand rather i'm not saying that they were trying to under, understand it they were just trying to like uh, uh, maybe it was more acceptance of what what they didn't understand but I mean, you think labels to cope i think with they were
5: yeah i think they were trying to address their experience i don't think ancients had the same sort of dichotomy between the natural and the supernatural that we do, like even concepts like demons and spirits. Um, for example, take the Hebrew for the word for spirit as ruach, which is the same word used for wind, breath, spirit. Like it's non-visible, flowing substance that impacts something. So, like they could look at the wind and they said, "Oh, that's ruach," but then they saw the last breath go out of a dying person and they said, "That's ruach." All they knew is like they're tr- they are so they are observing the natural world. They just didn't have the same dichotomy between supernatural and natural or physical and metaphysical that we have and so we can't really import that back on them.
4: I mean I think you can look at all ancient or like ancient religions throughout the world and they all have like they'll have certain things in common of them trying to explain or trying to understand the natural world like they all like almost nearly every single culture has a creation myth. Throughout human history we've all wondered where did we come from that's something that really every single culture has answered. Um,
2: right to answer. Yeah. I mean, it's just their way of coping with the unknown because we can't do it like empirically, empirically.
6: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting point to make that if, yeah, that pretty much every major culture in human history has come up with the religion of some kind. Um, so I guess an argument can be made that there's some sort of inherent um, drive to, uh to explain what that's what it was saying, to explain the unexplainable with
4: well, I mean, these sort of th- things i think humans are just naturally uncomfortable with not knowing things i agree like, I, and, and people manifest that in different ways some people become scientists try and learn everything they can some people become you know follow religion because that helps them explain the world i think humans just have a natural drive and want to understand to, to, to understand everything. It makes them uncomfortable to have unknowns.
5: I, I think I agree with Jack on this. As far as the relationship between religion and science is they're both attempts to categorize and label and understand reality as it's being experienced. And what we've seen is certain entrenched views of the world. And we can give that label religion, but it's been true. I mean, uh, you, you mentioned Thomas Kuhn. His point is there are certain entrenched scientific theories that they don't give up their position until it's been wrestled from them. So it's not like it's a science, and this is my view, it's not like it's a science versus religion. Religion's the one that's always trying to hold the fort, always trying to hold the traditional view and science is like, no, let's move forward. It's whatever the current view is, rightfully so, it doesn't just concede its superior position to a new idea until it's been wrestled away from it. And that might be that the infrastructure that holds up that view is more we in our, our modern dichotomy of science and religion but i think what we're looking at is humans trying to understand the world their current views are entrenched for good reasons if it's working it's working and you're gonna pull it from my dead hands before i give in to giving up newtonian physics you know what i mean like that's just the way that human knowledge works and i think that's good if every time a new theory popped up um <laughs> imagine all the new theories on the internet all the time if every time a new theory on the internet pops up about the world you're like well i'm gonna give up my viewpoint i'm gonna i'm gonna just concede to this because i want to be open-minded you're going to believe a million different things in a given day so there's something that's good about an aspect of human culture that says we have gotten this far and you're gonna have to prove to us you're gonna have to yank this from us before we
1: there's also something to say for different different ways of knowing, answering different kinds of questions about what it means to be human. Uh, some disciplines trend toward asking asking, answering factual questions, how the world is, how the world functions, how x leads to y, what leads to z. Some disciplines uh, function well answering the why questions, the questions of, of value and of meaning, uh, of purpose, of beauty, of all those kinds of things. Um, you, 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 there's some things you want to ask a scientist for, there's some things you want to ask an artist for, perhaps some things you want to ask a priest about, some things you want to ask a philosopher about. Um, it, to try and be a trash compactor and compact all types of human knowledge to one discipline, right? I'm not sure that that works real well. well
2: my my, 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 my the issue that I take with this is that when you look at like 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 the, the big like the key thing is like with with science it's like there's solely with this side it's like like it's uncomfortable but we accept there's inexplicable things that we we can't we can't explain right now but then let's look at it from the um like let's look at like the origin of religion it was a way of it was a way of coping with the unknown right because because it's difficult to say um because it's difficult to say we we don't know so we want we want to, uh we want a way to cope with that right we want a way to uh to talk about it as if it's something that, that we can know that we do know and so my issue is that it kind of always leads back to a series of assumptions when, when when we're looking at science it comes down to well we don't know and we can leave the door open for you know further proof and observation
0: i think i, I father Nate, i really loved your analogy of the trash compactor and i think the modern problem i think today is that we can no longer accept that different forms of reality can exist at the same time that different representations of reality are equally as viable and as acceptable and as or preg- in some except some are more pragmatic than others like i would argue that religion is a is a more important representation of reality than science because it tells you how to live your life while science only tells you what the world is made of
2: well, it comes down to science plus plus like rational thought like science will tell you um, tell you about how to make your decisions right like like it, it'll, you, you can make you can make more educated decisions about that rather than have somebody tell you and what if he's telling you it is wrong right are we are we going to address it if they're telling you how to live your life incorrectly which I could argue in the past absolutely has happened far too often like, let's let's go back to like the middle ages when life was just dominated by the church were they telling where it was like the way they were
0: instructing you to live your life was that ideal
2: absolutely not right like like
0: yeah well that's a good point well the middle ages would be an example of religious fundamentalism dominating the playing field like nobody gets to um i think so i don't know yeah that that's what middle ages would be um but you're saying well well science his purpose is not to tell you how to act. It's valueless. That's the only reason why it is science. it's valueless, subjective. List. It's it, trying to ex- subtract the subject so you can analyze the objective world. And that's beneficial in so many things. I'm not saying let's just get rid of science. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that in the modern day world, I, f- I feel like especially among our youth, it's almost as if the science... The scientific representation of reality is more important than the religious one. It, it makes no sense to me because science cannot tell you how to act; it can only give you an infinite amount of facts. You cannot derive an ought from an is. So, but yeah. why do you need someone need to,
4: tell you, to, to act?
0: tell you that? Act? Do you need something to draw
2: morals from. Is religion the only is, it, is it the only source of like moral ideals? Like I, I personally am an atheist, and I think that I'm have like a good sense of. Morals, right from wrong, like, like you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that I necessarily need that idea in my life, right? Like, sure, Thanks there's abs- language wisdom in that, but like, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like absolutely necessary. I can have my own rational thought, try to have empathy, plus I can make informed decisions about my ideals from what science gives. Like, it's not, it's not just science. Like, it's like, it's like, if we didn't, if, if it like science is what we derive our morals from. No, that's not the case. There's there's, this plays a role in our decisions. But um, that's a good point. uh, uh,
6: I think Farouk does bring up an interesting argument that science doesn't is not just, I mean, sorry, uh, religion does not just serve sort of as a fill in the gaps kind of thing, but I guess is also a fusion of that sort of um, those those, uh, ideas and a sort of lifestyle, I guess you could say. You know, I'm thinking, you know, for example, things like um, not eating pork or along those lines, it's a fusion of, you know, lifestyle and, um, you know, these myths. And so in that regard, I guess it sort of makes sense to me to, um, uh, I can't remember his name, but there was, he was a, uh, uh, I believe it was a scientist in evolution uh, who said essentially that, that for that science and religion should belong in non-overlapping magisteria. So, I guess in that regard, they should be regarded, they should be considered separately.
4: I think my thing is that for what religion can tell me, I kind of already know. Like, I don't need a book to tell me to, you know, be nice to people. But I also, but there's also other things that I may not agree with. And I feel like I don't need to listen. I think I have the facts and the information, and I can use the facts that are given to me by science. To develop my own conclusions about how I want to act and interact with other people in the world. Yeah, but what
0: facts are you going to select? You're, the fact that you're selecting certain facts suggests that you have a value I'm embedded. Not selecting,
4: I can use the information that is given.
0: Well, to which me. which information are going to choose? I mean, you have to consult yourself. We I also
5: have, have a lot of terms. I can we also be have like a lot of terms that aren't being defined here. We have terms like a, a very black and white terms of like religion is this. This thing, yeah. um, which, Perfect. if like, you spend any time in my religion and global context cl- class, we spend the first four weeks talking about how little um, agreement there is among scholars about what the word religion refers to, and we're, we're, what I'm hearing in this conversation is there's this thing called religion that you can pull out of culture that you can you can pluck out of um, economics, you can pull out of politics. It's this separate little glo- thing over here, and I just don't think that's really how most of the world works. I know that. Post enlightenment Europe has wanted to force that on the world like, hey, you got state, you got religion, we got this, there's the the physical world, there's the metaphysical world. But that's not the way most of humans think even today pragmatically. They don't go to the voting booth in a few weeks and think, well, I'm going to put my religion aside. And they'd also don't think that the religion, oh, this is my culture and this is my religion. Like, if you were to practice Islam in Saudi Arabia, that's gonna look different than Indonesia, that's gonna look different from the United States. Like these things aren't clear black and white dichotomies. Um, and then going over to Jack, like Jack's comment about like getting rules from a book. Well, that that's just conceding the value of sacred text to the fundamentalists, that it's this, um, instruction booklet from god or something that's uh, it's full of commands instead of it being it's full of a discussions and stories and narratives of our ancestors where they wrestle with ideas kind of like we did last week we didn't read uh we weren't talking about the genesis story from a fundamentalist perspective i wasn't no one was saying you know what there must be a literal adam and eve and this must be a literal snake that literally talked otherwise this whole book is stupid and we like we saw that our ancient ancestors were wrestling with the relationship between knowledge and where knowledge will take you. That's a conversation we're having. And if their metaphors in poetry give us a new way of spinning it, um, we should not concede to the fundamentalists <laughs> that the books aren't worth anything unless uh, it, or there'll have to be the divine commands from above or if you don't believe that toss it aside. Like I think that, um, that just gives it into the fundamentalists. And I, I don't think that's
3: the way to go.
4: I mean I I I, will, I I mean I don't think that I mean religious texts have a lot of value and I will see that I'm um, you know uh, they are very important and I would really you know looking at them is good but I, I just I think that I don't ness, my moral code doesn't necessarily my moral code may not match up with Matthew's and it may not match up with Brooks and I don't think that's really a problem I think that sure but, you know,
5: but even the religious texts don't uh, wouldn't say that if you were to read the book of um, proverbs in the hebrew bible and you flip over the book of ecclesiastes then you flip over the book of job you have three different arguments about how suffering works and whose fault it is and what you did wrong or what you did right within the same small corpus forget adding christian scriptures and buddhist scriptures and hindu scriptures so what i'm saying is it we're conceding to the fundamentalist that it's a unified voice that is commanding from top down the minute we start saying speaking this way that it's an antiquated fundamentalist voice or um, you have to throw science out the window. You have to throw philosophy out the window and just plug years and na, 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 na. The Bible's true. The Bible's true. The Bible's true. And I think that is what a certain segment of the religious populace wants to do. And I think it sucks the power right out of the narratives and it takes away the power from this literature that could, you could be in. There are atheist Jews, there are atheist Buddhists who still read these texts and find. Um, important principles like there's the book that's out there i forgot the author's name but why buddhism is true the guy is not he doesn't believe in any asian metaphysics um, but he's found psychological and evolutionary concepts that he thinks the buddha had great insight or at least the buddhist tradition had great insight long before uh, we arrived at them and says hey look these practices have been going on for thousands of years maybe we can learn from it like that is not a fundamentalist way of looking at sacred text but and stuff, and so I think that's the purpose.
4: When you boil it down to just those, is it really, what's the difference between that, you know, those arguments that happened in, you know, a, a, a text like that, and us having moral discussions right here, you know, I think it it stops, when you start getting rid of all the metaphysical and the other stuff, I think it starts becoming less of religion in a way. And it's more of just, you're looking at other people's arguments and ideas mm. and interpreting it in- Well, how you the difference is
3: time. Time passed, maybe,
5: that's the difference. Maybe. Yeah, possibly time. But I also think that what what's being presumed here, Jack, is that, hey, you know, if I just talk with enough Americans <laughs> from my similar socioeconomic <laughs> status and believe like, we're gonna, we're just gonna, we got all the tools we need. And that, you know, and, some guy named Confucius from ancient China, what could he possibly offer me? That's what I, that's what I'm hearing is that it's like, well, no, I mean, like I
4: said, those are valuable texts. And I think that learning from across the world, (laughs) that's what I'm saying is that you can make your own moral code based on the information available to you and what you have learned. And I don't necessarily know if you have to have a religious interpretation. I think you can, like, like you said, you like, like Matthew said, that he is a full-on atheist and he has a fine moral code. You know, he, it has morality. What do we United mean by a,
5: What do we mean by a religious interpretation? Because like again, we <laughs> have Confucians who are don't believe in a god, yet Buddhists who don't believe in a god. They're atheists, but they're Still religious nihilists.
6: When Jack, tell
5: me if
0: I'm wrong, but like that's when, so when
5: you say this, do you mean like like belief in like like the metaphysical beyond
2: beyond like empiricism, like like yeah. something that we can't prove, and that's what you mean by religious interpretation?
4: Yeah. Well, because that's what I'm saying. Like I'm going back to like Farouk says that like what? that the religious interpretation is just as important as the scientific. Mm-hmm. But if you're not including in the metaphysicals, you're more or less just it's a sci it's scientific at that point. It's just a discussion of the fence.
0: not really no it's a fact because religion provides you a way to act again that's not facts facts provide you nothing it's a graveyard of you're
4: using the facts to determine how you should act
2: like like we said knowledge well that's that's very important to enable us to do uh, good and evil and like i don't think like okay the way that we determine good from evil is religion the only way to
4: do that like going to Mm. confucius he was well, what arguing, is that? That's okay. what I'm
5: trying to what? go back. What does that mean, though, to separate religion from everything else? Yeah, when I mean, we're we talking say about Matthew Weiss, we like the,
2: the metaphysical <laughs> ideas like, like the, the, that are that are brought up in religious texts. Or is that okay? But is metaphysics
5: that... is not the same thing. Metaphysics isn't equal sign religion. Religion is yeah, certain metaphysics, but also culture and history, and like it's a bunch of things put and together. So that's what I'm saying. Psychology, the, the religion, the word religion. I think this is where I, it's being used as a substitute for certain forms of metaphysical philosophy but that's not really what religion is religion isn't just metaphysical philosophy if you were to go find your average religious person they're not probably like if you were to go find a, your average hindu family praying you know doing devotion to their particular deity that can be happened completely without any kind of deep insight into the metaphysics of indian philosophy what you know what i mean like that is, those aren't one and the same Um, But I would like, I don't necessarily want to throw the theology and metaphysics out the window either, because I think what we're talking about, this is why I want to bring it back to language, is we're still talking about people's particular experiences with reality over time. And even if we don't use their words, we still have to deal with their experiences. That's still something I think is important, because it's still a part of the conversation to hear other voices that we would say, they've had an experience that's analogous to us. We, we might use different language in the day, but we want to see the tracing over time of people wrestling with similar experiences of reality. I don't know.
0: Yeah. But Matthew, you were saying like, religion is not the only form of good and evil. That That's not what I'm arguing, that religion is the only way we can determine good and evil. Matter of fact, religion, the way to determine what is good and evil is actually embedded in within us. It's an, it's, in our nature is what I would argue and there's there's data for that from a neurological primat- from a neurological perspective and a primatological perspective anthropological perspective, mythological perspective, and religious perspective. So you know, you have five levels of analysis ready to confirm the fact that morality not only is embedded within our nature, but can only be passed down through our ancestors. So when we want to know how to act in the world, when we want to discern what is good and evil in the world, you cannot look to yourself. You cannot become an ubermunch. You have to look to your ancestors, extract the knowledge that they've been collecting, not over thousands of years, but for millions of years. Because morality is not only something that we've constructed, it's something that has been developed through evolution.
4: Okay, y- yes,
5: but... Really so fast, really have... fast. I think we are... We're going to lose Father Nate here in a minute when we both have to go pretty quick here. My, my battery is about to die on this computer. Can we pause this, for Can we pause this conversation?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. We can continue this um, to next next meeting.
5: So, uh, yeah, let's keep this because I think it's important for us to define define terms too because we're hearing a lot of terms around that we're not necessarily having an agreed upon understanding of and that I think is really important in the long run to build understand what we're talking about when it comes to moral formation and philosophy and but I think the misinterpretation
0: Science. of the ther- the terms is also revealing some uh, philosophies of Jack Waters here and other people. <laughs>
5: okay, so, no, but my <laughs>
0: question is... Okay, 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 when we come back no, to this? No, 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 we're going to come still back. Baruch no. no. has not defined what he defines. You can mute Jack. Oh, my God, this feature is amazing. <laughs>
6: Jack's opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, right. see you all next week.
5: Jack, keep your pain for next week. We'll bring it all back. We all have our pains. We'll bring it next week. All right. Thank you all for coming.